0: Hey there, future fans! This week, we're stealing for a good cause, the American dream might just be a nightmare, and high school can be a drag. This is the week of September 17th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 217 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show my friends it is that time time for another episode where I help you just wade through all the movies that come out during the week to find something you may be interested in because that's what I do here if you have never listened to the show before welcome I hope you enjoy what you hear I hope you stick around but if not thank you for at least giving me a try. What I do on the show is I talk about movies. I first talk about movie news and trailers, anything new that caught my eye since the last episode. In both of those cases, I am not perfect. So I tell you, hey, if I missed something that you think I should have talked about, let me know and I will talk about it. You can find all the ways to contact me in the show notes. After that, we jump into the movies. That is every single movie coming out during the week that I know about. And I break them up into two categories. The first is the limited release section. That's any movie that's not getting a wide release and didn't do anything to catch my eye. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad film, Uh, just that the trailer was a little lackluster and nothing about it made me go, ooh, shiny. We then jump into the wide releases and interesting indies, which is exactly what it sounds like. That's every nationwide release everyone Uh, Everything coming to a major streaming service and all the indie films that actually did catch my eye go, hey, that doesn't look half bad. Let's talk about it. All those movies get a score, which I call the Billions interest level score, which we sing it. And I still don't know why, though, for a couple episodes, we didn't sing it. Those were dark times. Uh, The Bill score can go anywhere from a zero for those awful, awful looking films to an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch. And my friends, I think we have been in an 11 drought. We haven't had one in a while. We've had films I've been really, really excited for, but nothing that just made me go, oh my God, I can't wait. I think the next one is going to be Ghostbusters. I'm pretty sure, but we'll see. And then I tell you, hey, my friends, I'm going to give you a pick of the week going, hey, if you see one movie this week, I think this is the best one to watch. But as always, this is my opinion. So At the end of the day, you don't need me and my opinion, you don't need Metacritic, you don't need Rotten Tomatoes, you have your own eyes and your own brain, you can watch a trailer, make your own decision, but I try and help you out. Well my feature friends, let us jump into the first segment, which as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Well, a story from Hype Beast tells us that, hey, maybe Dune is, uh, is not going to be that bad. Not that anyone was thinking it's going to be really bad, but we got news that Dune received an eight minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival at its premiere. Among the audience was Oscar winner Chloe Zhao, who, according to Hollywood Reporter, immediately sprung from her chair and rushed towards Denis Villanueva to give him a congratulatory hug during that standing ovation. The director of *No Man's Land called the film fantastic, and this article doubles down on what I've heard before is that this film will split Dune into two parts. There is yet to be a green light on the next part, but... Seen as how this one has been hiked so much and is so far getting critical praise, it seems like it's a no-brainer. Dune is coming out in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously on October 22nd. My feature friends, many of you may have heard that Andrew Garfield uh, talked about if he's going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home, and um, I love his answer. He says, no matter what I say, I'm f-. He, uh He fully said... I understand why people are freaking out about the concept of that because I'm a fan as well. You can't help but imagine scenes and moments of, oh my God, how fucking cool would that be if they did that? He said, but it's important for me to say on record that this is not something I'm aware I'm involved in, but I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone that I don't know what's happening. It's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. And you know what? They have done, the people behind this film, Spider-Man No Way Home, have done a fantastic job blowing smoke up everyone's collected asses. Because you remember for a while, like a year ago, maybe there were big stories going around that, oh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were seen on set. No pictures, but they were seen on set. Oh my God, how wonderful is this? We're going to get a Spider-Verse movie kind of. And then we heard that, oh, all these people are coming back and reprising their roles. And then we heard, oh, no, they're not. But then they are. But they're not. But they are. I just wonder if this is going to be a problem moving forward with comic book movies. Just because, if you remember, when WandaVision was still premiering or still coming out weekly, everyone kept seeing Mephisto everywhere. Oh, my God, it's Mephisto. F- it's Mephisto. Oh, my God. And then the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out. And people are wondering, is that Mephisto? Because he's not acting like Doctor Strange. I think that's just going to be part of this conversation moving forward anytime a much anticipated movie is coming out. Obviously not a premiere like the first time we're seeing Shang-Chi or the Eternals or anything like that, but anytime we're getting another film in a series that's already been established, then people start to speculate, oh, is this person going to be seen? Is this person? This next story comes to us from *Games Radar*, but it's already been reported on a lot. From many different sources, this was just the article I saw from earlier today. I'm recording this on the 13th. Marvel announces four new movies for 2024. Uh, But the catch is we don't actually know what these movies are, but that hasn't stopped the internet from speculating on what they could be. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the guesses people are making are actually correct. Some of the possibilities that people have been bouncing around are Deadpool 3, Fantastic Four, and Blade, as well as Captain America 4. But all of this so far is just speculation because we don't actually know what these are. But guess what? In true Marvel News style, once someone knows, everyone will know. And everything is looking good for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings as it holds the number one spot this weekend. This, according to Box Office Mojo, brand new movies Malignant and The Card Counter were unable to even come close to toppling the giant. Malignant came in third place right under Free Guy, which moved up a spot this week. In rank from one to five, we have Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Free Guy, Malignant, Candyman, and Jungle Cruise. The card counter didn't even make it in the top five, beaten by Don't Breathe 2, and Paul Patrol, the movie. And you know what, my future friends, even though I am excited for quite a few movies this week, I don't think anything coming from this week is going to take down Shang-Chi. It's going to be a couple more weeks for that. And our final happy story of the week, this comes from The Wrap. Guess which movie changed its release date again? My friends, if you said Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you are correct. It is now set to release on October 1st, one week ahead of the James Bond film No Time to Die. Uh, This was the second time it was changed this year. Of course, it was supposed to come out previously, but uh, COVID, you know happened this change from October 15th to October 1st was actually due to the popularity and how well Shang-Chi has been doing so the people behind Venom with their Carnage saw that and went oh shit. people are seeing movies so since this comes out the week of the 1st it so will give it two whole weeks in the box office before the Bond film comes out and we've lost two people this week my friends i mean we've lost a lot of people but The ones that made the news were Ben Best, co-creator of Eastbound and Down, died at the age of 46. Apparently, he died the day before his birthday. He worked on Eastbound and Down. He was a co-writer of The Foot Fist Away with Danny McBride. He also co-wrote Your Highness and has been in such movies as Superbad, What Happens in Vegas, Observe and Report, and Land of the Lost. And also, actor Michael K. Williams uh, has passed away at the age of 54. Uh, Reports say that it was from a suspected drug overdose as drug paraphernalia was found near his body. Michael Kenneth Williams is known for a lot, but if you're a fan of The Wire or Boardwalk Empire or Lovecraft Country, uh, then you'd know him. Uh, He's been in a lot of movies. He was one of those actors that worked a million times a year, got a start in 1994 working on the music video uh, Secret by Madonna. All right, my future friends, let me do one more check to see if there's any more news that catches my eye, but that could be it. Well, you know, my friends, let's not end on a sad note with the news. This from Slash Film. I mean, not huge news, but good for her. Jennifer Hudson is one award away from a rare EGOT. EGOT, of course, is Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. She has the E, G, and O part. All she needs is that Tony, and you know what? She's talented enough that if she puts her mind to it, she'll definitely get it. Well, my future friends, let us jump into the first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, and we'll be right back with the Trailer Trove. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, welcome back to the show, and it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Let's start this trove out with a movie that I'm totally not excited for, but I should talk about it anyway because I guess it did pretty well. It did well enough to get a sequel at least, and that film is called The Addams Family 2. So this trailer, we've had one before, and I talked about it, how I just wasn't interested, and this one, I have the same problem, where it seems like they should have just made a Addams Family-inspired animated movie. And they could totally admit that, yes, this was inspired by the Addams Family, because my issue with this is that it just doesn't feel like the Addams Family. It feels like they just wanted to make some modern computer animated cartoon, and they just threw this skin on it of the Addams Family and just used the same characters, and it it doesn't feel like it has the spirit. It just seems like another animated movie that you can throw a bunch of celebrities behind for no good reason other than their star power and release it because this cast vocal cast i believe it's the same let me see yep it's oscar isaac charlize theron chloe grace moretz nick kroll snoop Dogg, Bette midler and bill Hader. i've never heard of the kid that does the voice for pugsley javon juana walton but he's in it too Uh, this isn't the first time we've seen an animated Adams family though. Remember back in the 90s we had that Adams family cartoon that lasted one or two seasons? Even that had the spirit of the Adams family better than this does. Though I'm not sure if I mentioned this yet on the show, I am a proud the proud owner of Adams family though because one of the libraries in my area was selling a bunch of their Blu-rays for 25 cents a piece. I got 28 of them I think cuz I think I spent 7 dollars on it and Adams family is one of them cuz I thought yes I would be willing to pay 25 cents to watch The Addams Family. So we will see. Who knows? Maybe uh, I will watch this in October because, you know, Addams Family, October, Halloween, it works. And maybe I will 100% change my tune. And if that is the case, I will come on the show and I will admit it because I have been wrong many, many, many times before. And I have always admitted to it. But The Addams Family has a release date of October 1st. So this will be quite soon. Uh, next up, we have a trailer I'm just going to mention because maybe you know someone who's down with this stuff. We have a British period piece about post-World War One England, which I think Downton Abbey took place in. Was Downton Abbey before or after World War One? I? I forget. But, it, but this is about a maid living in England who has secret trysts with a man that she loves uh, of higher class than him. And he's going to marry another woman, but she keeps seeing him. So, you know, all that good stuff starring Colin Firth, Olivia Colman, Odessa Young, Josh O'Connor. Not bad cast, actually. It doesn't look bad. It looks just typical of a British period piece. All right. Next up in the trove is a movie called The Guilty. This is a Netflix original movie coming out. Let's see. October 1st. A lot of these are for October 1st. Look at that. All right, future friends, next up we have the trailer for a Netflix original movie called The Guilty. This stars Jake Gyllenhaal and features the voices of Riley Keough and Peter Sarsgaard. This is about a demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk who is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. So if you think this movie sounds familiar, you're right. It does sound familiar. It was done back in 2013 with Halle Berry and was called The Call. Starred Halle Berry, Abigail Breslin, Morris Chestnut, and was about a veteran 911 operator who takes a life-altering call from a teenage girl who has just been abducted, and she realizes she must confront a killer from her past in order to save the girl. So a little different, but it's basically the same idea. And it seems like this movie, The Guilty, mainly takes place in the 911 call center. So the film just looks okay. It really doesn't look bad, but it also doesn't look good. It looks very, very mediocre. It has the bonus of being a Netflix original movie. Uh, It's coming out... What did I say? Uh, I said... October 1st. That's what I said. I knew it. I remembered it. I didn't. But it comes out October 1st on Netflix, so it has the benefit of being on a streaming service most of us already have. It has going against it the fact that it's all too familiar and... You're just swapping Halle Berry for Jake Gyllenhaal, which isn't a great swap. Nothing against Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's a very, very talented actor. But I see no benefit for this change. If it was swapped the other way around, we can say, oh, hey, now it's more inclusive. It has a woman of color. But we don't have that with this. And while not everything has to be some wonderfully inclusive rainbow, it's nice, but it's not necessary. So the fact that we don't have that added benefit to this doesn't do enough to make it more interesting in my eyes. If you are a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan, this is a no-brainer. Check this out. But the thing is, it's just way, way too familiar, and it doesn't have enough going for it in the other aspects of the film to warrant a watch. Jeez, you know what? I should probably just cut this whole segment and just save this for when this movie comes out and copy and paste it but I won't. Let's move on to the next trailer. The next trailer we have is for a movie called Come On, Come On starring, let's see who it says, Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, and Woody Norman. Woody Norman is a kid, so maybe he hasn't done that much, but everyone knows Joaquin Phoenix. And this is about a radio journalist who embarks on a cross-country trip with his young nephew. This is a black and white drama, and I see no point. The trailer did nothing, absolutely nothing to prove to me why it's worth watching at all. Uh, This seems like it's going to be a limited release movie. It's only set so far for film festivals. It technically premiered on September 2nd at the Telluride Film Festival, I guess is how you say it. Uh, It's showing up in October at Chicago International Film Festival, then the Hamptons International Film Festival. And a couple more from there, but I don't see an actual release date for this. Uh, but I don't mind. I don't mind that we don't actually know when this is coming out because it looks, eh. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It doesn't. Joaquin Phoenix is a talented actor. This kid looks like he's a pretty good actor. I mean, let's let's see what Woody Norman has been in. Come on, Woody. Show me what you've done. Uh, Not much. A lot of TV, but nothing really big. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. It just helps. You know, like I've said before on the show, if you've been listening for a while, you'd recognize what I'm about to say, that it does help. We don't need big names in movies. We really don't. We don't need to see Tom Cruise. We don't need to see Tom Hollands and Florence Pew's and all these big names that we know now. We don't need them, but it helps because we can gauge from who's in it kind of gauge how we're going to receive the film and this film looks like some attempt at art that i just didn't understand maybe mike mills the writer and director is trying really really hard to hide it and people have to see the movie to get it and if so that's not the way to do it my man don't don't hide it. Tell us why to see your film, otherwise we're going to skip it. And if that's not the case, if he really did put everything out there, then your film looks boring and pointless. So once again, no set release date for that. Alright, my friends, next up we have a trailer for an animated film coming out October 22nd called Ron's Gone Wrong. And I actually said that in one go. I'm proud of myself. Normally it took me a couple of tries in practice. Uh, this is an animated movie from 20th Century Animation, formerly 20th century fox animation now of course owned by disney i believe i I think disney bought all of it right anyway this is still being released under the 20th century animation banner and if you're wondering if you've seen any 20th century animation before you have if you've seen movies like fantastic mr fox isle of dog so we have those two wes anderson movies uh, Spies in Disguise, Ice Age, Robots, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, The Book of Life, Garfield, Epic, Horton Hears a Who, things like that. So it's not Pixar and DreamWorks and not suddenly releasing amazing work like Sony Pictures Animation, but it's not bad. It, it really isn't bad. And this movie looks looks OK uh, if you haven't seen the trailer. This is about this, uh, in this world, which I assume is some variation of our world, where everyone has this B-Bot or something. It's this little robot that follows them around. It's basically like a smartphone on steroids. It can do all kinds of shit. It knows everything about you. Every kid has one except this kid. Oh, they can't afford it. Oh, boo. Being poor sucks. So yes, this is probably another thinly veiled movie of someone who has to learn to just be okay with what they have and also maybe I don't have to fit in kind of thing because he gets his own bebot his dad got it cheap and it's broken it doesn't work right it doesn't work like all the others and then it becomes noted by the company that made them that there's this default out there so they come looking for it so in a couple ways this is a familiar story but never quite put together in this in this kind of package, and it has the voices of Zach Galifianakis, Jack Dylan Grazer, Olivia Coleman, Ed Helms, uh, Justice Smith, Rob Delaney. And you know what? It looks pretty cute. It's rated PG, but I really don't see why a younger kid couldn't see this. A- unless you are one of those parents who are super, super strict about what their kids can see. I think this is, could be good for any age. It looks cute and comes out October 22nd, but guess what? It doesn't look great enough to purposely go see in theaters maybe wait for this to come to streaming all right my future friends next up we have a trailer for another netflix original movie this one coming out on september 29th and it's a horror movie coming out the very end of september so i get behind this because it's here in time for october the time where we want to see this kind of stuff and this is based on a novel I've never heard of by an author named Adam Neville, and it's called No One Gets Out Alive. And this is about an immigrant in search of the American dream who, after being forced to take a room in a boarding home, finds herself in a nightmare she can't escape. And it seems to me that the people behind this, director Santiago Manghini, Manghini, I think, and writers Fernanda Coppel and John Crocker, we're going for a James Wan style vibe with this because it did make me feel like it could have easily been a Conjuring verse spinoff that was just lightly produced by Wan and you know he he gave the reins to someone else to do something like the Curse of La Llorona or the Nun. So this doesn't look bad. Doesn't look bad at all. And it is on Netflix. So yay for that because we can all watch it. And there's. Unlike the other Netflix film we talked about, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, this one doesn't have anything that it immediately reminds me of. I bet you there's been something like this. You can make any original movie, or based on a book movie, and find something else like it. Uh, Just my problem with Jake Gyllenhaal's is that it was too much like the Halle Berry one, so the benefit with this one is that there's nothing that comes directly to mind, so it looks like a good bet for Halloween. Well, my future friends, two more trailers to talk about in the Trove, and they're the two bigger ones that have come out recently. Uh, I think there's something I'm missing, so I'm going to be doing a search after this, but we will see. So we're going to talk about the second trailer for West Side Story. Yes, this is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story coming out December 10th this year. Okay, it's actually not the second trailer. It's the first official trailer. The previous one was just a teaser. Important difference there. And... I, I'm impressed. Um, I wasn't terribly impressed with the teaser. If you remember me talking about that, I'm pretty sure I wasn't impressed. And now that we get this bigger look, I am, it looks beautiful. It looks so well done. It looks like it's properly paying homage to the original. It has that style about it. It looks like an old musical in so many parts with the numbers you know, the dance scene and everything, but it also looks like a modern film. And from the look of the trailer, it balances it pretty well. So this stars Ansel Elgort as Tony, Rachel Ziegler as Maria Vasquez. It also has in it Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno, who was in the original and played Anita, uh, this time uh, being, being played by Ariana DeBose, who's also in uh, Hamilton and The Prom so no stranger to musicals this one. And I, I'm i just excited. It looks good. I love musicals. I, I wasn't on board at first. I was not. I didn't think West Side Story needed a remake. I mean, it's true. We had two gangs of different, supposed to be different ethnicities. We're supposed to have one gang of white people, one gang of Puerto Ricans. But the gang of Puerto Ricans had a lot of white people in it. So I was on board with the more racial diversity in this one. But even then, it's not like people were clamoring, going, hey, we need a West Side Story remake to make it more diverse. It was just a nice bonus. But now with this new trailer, now I am doubly excited for this. And I can't wait for this to come out in theaters on December 10th. And finally, my future friends, we got to talk about it. Because technically it came out in time for me to talk about it last week, but I wanted to save it for this week. That is the trailer for *Matrix*, The Matrix Resurrections. That's right. The fourth Matrix movie coming out this year with a very beautifully palindromic release date of 12-22-21 with Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss returning, Jada Pinkin Smith also returning. Uh, new to the cast, we have Neil Patrick Harris and we have Yaya Abdul-Mateen and Jessica Henwick. This looks so good. It looks so, so good. So let me let me give you a really brief history about my history with the Matrix. Uh, I loved the first one. Thought it was really cool. Second one was OK. And the third kind of lost me. I watched it, it was fun, I enjoyed it, but I never really felt the need to go back. I never watched Animatrix, I was never that big into it. Then once I learned that the Matrix movies were an allegory for the trans experience, I look at them with a new light, because now we can look at these beyond just a blockbuster movie, beyond just a big budget sci-fi film, and look at it simultaneously as art as a piece of art that has something to say. That's something we can't really do with the Fast and Furious franchise. That's nothing we can do with Star Wars or Star Trek, no matter how much I love all of those. Those are films we have to watch for the sake of enjoyment, for the sake of fun. But with the Matrix movies, now we have more to it, especially because the creators, the Wachowskis, are transgendered females. This movie was written, co-written, and fully directed by Lana Wachowski. This was originally written by Lana and Lily Wachowski, the first Matrix, uh, the first three ma- Matrixes. But I trust Lana Wachowski. I trust her that this is more than just a cash grab, because if you watch the trailer, it doesn't just look like they were trying to capitalize on people still enjoying these movies. It feels like there's there's a purpose of this. It feels like there's something else to be said and Lana Wachowski wanted to say it. And I want you to think about that too. If there's this big budget series out there, something that you don't take terribly seriously, but you think it's kind of cool, and then you find out there was hidden meaning in it, would that change how you think? Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you would still go, nah, it's still just this flashy no-substance movie, or would you go back and look at it with different eyes like I did? There's no real right answer to this question, of course. It is whatever you do. But what can we tell from the trailer? It looks like Neo and Trinity have no idea what the is going on. It looks like they don't remember the events of the matrix. Something happened to them. Something happened to them and they need to remember because we see Neo sitting in a doctor's office, a psychiatrist's office played by Neil Patrick Harris. And he's on these medications, these blue pills, these blue pills he's taking. And he doesn't remember what had happened, and then slowly that changes. heat, and he meets Morpheus, this time played by Yahya Abdul Mateen. Sorry, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. I forgot that part. Uh, who you would know from movies like The Get Down or Aquaman, uh, also in the Watchmen TV show. Get down. The Get Down is a TV show too. I'm sorry. So this other Morpheus who now offers him a new red pill, and I'm fascinated. I am fascinated to find out why. Both Trinity and Neo don't remember. Are they back in the Matrix? Is that why they're in this normal-ass looking world again? Are people being harvested for like their energy, just like they were in the original movies? What's going on? This movie did enough to pique my interest and to show me that it's more than just a cash grab, and that makes me very happy. So once again, this comes out December 22nd, that beautiful palindrome, 123 two, 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 one. It's beautiful. And it's one of those cases where if this is not the pick of the week, I'm going to be surprised. Well, my future fans, I didn't find any other big trailers to talk about. So if I missed something that you wanted me to discuss, always let me know. But let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
1: There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. <laughs> Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language.
0: Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. F- did I even come here for?
1: With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction.
0: The motherfucker's a mouth breather.
1: Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of... F- Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. ITunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wimpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth.
0: All right, we are back, my friends, with the limited release section. Uh, we do have a few movies in the section, so we have another normal episode. So let's start with one called In Balanchine's Classroom. In Balanchine's Classroom takes us back to the glory years of George Balanchine's New York City Ballet through the remembrances of his former dancers and their quest to fulfill the vision of a genius. This is a documentary about ballet, and you know what, if you're into this, check it out. It, I guess this George Balanchine is some sort of ballet legend. I don't know because I don't know anything about ballet. But if you, know, if you know that person's name, then you should probably care enough to see this documentary. Uh, otherwise, skip it. Uh, no VOD for this one, just theaters. All right, my future friends, the next movie is also a documentary called Live at Mr. Kelly's. Some of the biggest names in entertainment share how they got their start after performing at the legendary Chicago nightclub. This is a documentary featuring a lot of people. And the random ones I just pulled off the IMDB were Warren Beatty, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Johnny Carson and Herbie Hancock. I guess this was I guess this was a big famous club. Once again, I've never heard about it, which really isn't surprising because I was never that into music. But hey, once again, if you know about this place, then check this out cuz it could be the documentary for you. Next up we have one called Killian and the Comeback Kids. Uh, this is not a documentary. Forced to return to his struggling hometown after an expensive college degree, Killian gathers former childhood friends to audition for a music festival coming to their once prosperous steel town. This stars no one of note. And this was one of those movies that could have made it in the next section, but it just seems... It just seems like it didn't quite find its stride. The trailer never made me think that this film had it together. This could have easily been a film like Hearts Beat Loud, which I really liked but it just fell a little short and just skip this one. Next up, we have a film called I Love Us, another limited release only. In fact, there's only one limited slash VOD film in the limited section. And so I Love Us, Sammy Silver struggles to trade his criminal ways for a married life after he falls in love with a single mother. This stars Katie Cassidy from Arrow, David James Elliott from JAG, Robert Davi from Die Hard, and Jackie Cruz from Orange is the New Black. And I like Katie Cassidy. Uh, I did watch Jag, so I like David James Elliott, but it just looks too basic. It just it just looked like a movie that you would randomly turn on the TV and see on one of those networks you forget even exist. So let's move on to Last Night in Rosy, when a New York lawyer returns to his Boston hometown to reunite his dying friend with his young son he is forced to finally confront a childhood trauma. This stars Neil Brown Jr. from Seal Team and Jeremy Sisto from Wrong Turn. And to be fair, this movie was so forgettable that I watched the trailer two days ago to prepare for the show and to put all the movies in order. And I can't remember a single thing about the trailer. Not a single thing. That's how skippable this is. Next up, my friends, we have a film called Collection. A grieving father grapples with the seedy, manipulative world of high-stakes debt collection while struggling to shed the tragedies of his past. He'll find himself pitted against his best friend, his prodigy, and his love. That's so weird. This stars Mike Vogel from The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Alexis Pettyfer from I Am Number Four, Brita Wool from Mr. Mercedes, and Shakira Barrera from Glow. And Jesus, I just realized, just like last night in Rozzy, I can't remember a damn thing about this trailer. Uh, so, if you don't know, how I put this show together is I write down the premise and who's in every single movie coming out during the week. I watch all of the trailers and then I put them in order for the show, order based on limited release section versus wide releases in interesting indies. I'll usually do this a day or two before I start recording. And by that time, I still remember the trailers well enough to talk about it. I cannot, for the life of me, remember a n- Last Night in Rosie and Collection. All I remember is that they weren't good enough to put in the next section. And the fact that I can't remember a single thing doesn't bode well. Well, my friends, we have one final movie in the limited section, and that's called Lady of the Manor. The first limited slash VOD release. VOD, of course, meaning Video On Demand. Uh, which means it's not a normal streaming service. You have to pay for this. Kind of like pay-per-views back in the day. Do you remember that? I remember having to call up the um, dish company to get wrestling pay-per-views. Anyway, Lady the Manor is about nameless 'er ne'er-do-well who becomes a tour guide in a historic estate and winds up befriending the manor's resident ghost. This stars Melanie Linsky from Castle Rock, Judy Greer from 13 Going on 30, Justin Long from Jeepers Creepers, Ryan Felipe from Cruel Intentions, Luis Guzman from Traffic, and Patrick Duffy from Step by Step. And normally I would love this cast so much, but this just kind of looks like the kind of movie the Hallmark Channel would do if they had a bigger budget. Basic and not impressive. Well, my future friends, is it for the limited section. Let us jump into our final break as we hear word from our friends, At We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, and we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie, and we host a show called We're We're Doing doing fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single popular culture and basically everything
0: and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in because we're, we're doing fine. fine all right we're back we're back with the first movie in the wide releases an interesting indie section and it's the first of four documentaries this one is called my name is polly murray this is getting a limited release this week and a release on Amazon Prime on October 1st. And if I remember, I'll talk about it then. But this is a look at the life and ideas of Polly Murray, a non-binary black lawyer, activist and poet who influenced both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall. So with the people they influenced, you would think that everyone would know who Polly Murray is because we all know the names Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall. We know those names are household or at least they should be. They should be household names. But a lot of people know them, but I've never heard of this person before. It sounds really interesting. And this is the kind of stuff we should be learning about in schools. Like, I really, really hope kids nowadays aren't learning about the first Thanksgiving in Christopher Columbus, especially because all that is bullshit. And it should be this stuff instead. But speaking about something people need to know about, we have the next movie called The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. Based on the true story of the events that led to the death of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr., an elderly African-American veteran with bipolar disorder who was killed during a conflict with police officers who were dispatched to check on him. This stars Frankie Faison from Do the Right Thing. So this is about the murder of Kenneth Chamberlain, a veteran, an older veteran with bipolar disorder, who accidentally triggers his little life alert bracelet thing, or necklace, and... The police come to check on him, but he says he's all right. But they keep pounding on the door. They eventually break in and allegedly they say he charged him with a knife and they shoot him and kill him. The family of Kenneth Chamberlain said there was no knife. There was no body cam footage, but there's a camera on the taser, I guess. But the taser's camera was turned off before the shooting. But it's just another example of stories that come out more and more of how the police are ill-equipped to deal with mental health issues. Even if he did have a knife, you're telling me this old veteran with bipolar disorder charged you after you're banging on his door, yelling at him, and you break in? Weird. This is a sad story, something disgusting that never should have happened, and it just has the benefit of looking like a well-acted movie. So a bonus there. Oh, crap, I've been forgetting to give things scores again, haven't I? Okay, my name is Polly Murray, gets a 7 out of 11. It looks interesting, but not the best produced documentary I've ever seen. The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain also gets a 7 out of 11. And let's talk about the next trailer called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. Karloff, examining his illustrious 60-year career in the entertainment industry and his enduring legacy as one of the icons of both 20th century popular culture. I don't know where I got the word both from. I just pulled that out of nowhere. I'm going to keep it. I don't want to re record this. Uh, this is a documentary featuring interviews with people like Guillermo del Toro, Ron Perlman, Christopher Plummer, and John Landis. And yes, it's about Boris Karloff. If you've ever seen an older horror movie like Frankenstein and stuff like that, then you've seen him. This looks like a great documentary for cinephiles, a great documentary for people who love that old. Golden Hollywood stuff, you know? You don't have to be a film snob per se, just if you like those older movies and you're interested in it, check this out. Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster, gets a seven out of 11. Seven is my safe number, it really is. Right in between, oh, this looks really good, and eh, it's my safe number. It's my, if I was Linus, it would be my blanket. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, friends, next up, we have one called 23 Walks. Uh, And all of these have been limited so far, of course, except my name is Polly Murray coming out on Prime on October 1st. Uh, 23 Walks, limited, but no VOD. A gentle, sweet, funny, romantic story of love in later life following a couple in their 60s, Dave and Fern, who get to know one another over the course of 23 dog walks. This stars Dave Johns from I, Daniel Blake. And Allison Stedman from Gavin and Stacey, which if you haven't watched, you should f***ing watch it, because Gavin and Stacey is a joy. But this film looks cute. Uh, it doesn't look wonderful, but it just looks like a fun movie to watch one day. The perfect movie to not go out of your way and see. But hell, next year sometime, check your local library. See if they got it. See if it's on streaming somewhere. See if BritBox gets it. You know, that's a streaming app. It looks like something fun to watch, but nothing that you should put too much time and energy into scene 23 walks gets a 6 out of 11 see it's not a 7 i broke it no street going 6 out of 11 next up we have a really really weird film that almost almost didn't make it into the section in fact i'm questioning it now i'm still questioning it as i'm recording this episode this is called the nowhere in this is getting a limited and vod release St. Vincent sets out to make a documentary about her music, but when she hires a close friend to direct, notions of reality, identity, and authenticity grow increasingly distorted and bizarre. This stars St. Vincent, you know, the musician. And this film, okay, look, before I say this, I don't know anything about St. Vincent, so I'm just going to say what it looks like to me. It looks like she did a whole bunch of drugs. I mean, just did all the drugs she could find and went, I know, I have an idea, here's an idea, let's make a documentary. But it's not a documentary, it's a movie about a documentary, about me, starring me. And it's going to start off being a movie about my friend making a documentary that goes, like, very normal. And then it starts to spiral out of control and gets f***ing weird. By the end of the trailer, I was wondering, what the f- is going on because I'm still not quite sure. I know, but there's something just wonderfully intriguing about it. There's just something about this movie. I just have the feeling that it has a potential to be surprisingly good, or it could be weird and forgettable. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a middle ground with this one. Unfortunately, I can't give it a high enough score based on the fact that it could just be a a straight-up miss. So, for the score, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 11. But I'm pretty sure the actual score, if I ever fully watch this, is going to be strong on one side or the other. That's what I feel. It's either going to be more an 8 seven or an eight or it's going to be a two or a three it it can't be in the middle all right my friends we have the final documentary of the week not the final movie far from the final movie but the final documentary and it's called little girl a limited release documentary from france i believe it's from france and it's the touching portrait of an eight-year-old named sasha who questions her gender and in doing so invokes the sometimes Disturbing reactions of a society that is still invested in a biological boy-girl way of thinking. This stars Sasha as herself in this documentary. And there's this scene in the documentary where she, Sasha had come home from being bullied at school and not being supported by the school staff saying, Oh no, if you're a boy, you have to dress like a boy and act like a boy. And... She looks sad, and the person doing the interview asks her if her tears are about, or if she's sad about school, and tears start falling, and how can you, how can you see something like that, and still be anti-trans? How can you see something like that, and tell this girl that, no, you are wrong, you must act like a boy? How can you look at that heartbreak, that, that sadness, and tell her that the way she feels is wrong. You are some sort of monster. Look, I know we all have our own views. There, there, there. It's okay to have opposing views on things. I have friends from all political parties. We all get along. We don't vote for the same people, but we we, we get along. This is one of those views that I will not stand the other side for. Because just watch the trailer. You don't even watch. The, you don't even have to watch the whole movie. Just watch the trailer and that scene. Where Sasha is just weeping because of how she's treated. It's just not right. Look, my show is about movies. I know that. I, I talk about film. And I try to avoid bringing it up politics. I-, I think I've only mentioned my political party once, I think. Once or twice in 217 episodes, okay? In all these years, in six over six years now. I've only mentioned it once because this is a show about movies. And even when a political documentary comes out, I don't talk about it. But this is different. This isn't politics. This is a little girl. It's a child. A child who can't understand why people are being so cruel. And if this opinion has lost many listeners, then good. I don't want you. I think everyone should watch this documentary. Even if you're a member or an ally of the LGBTQIA community, you should watch this. If you're not, you should watch this. I think everyone should watch this. Like, this little part right here has taken me t- over 20 minutes now t- to record. And you know what? I'm just going to stop here. Uh, this looks really good. It looks really good because this is a story that needs to be told. And I'm not going to give it a score because it feels it it feels wrong to give it a score. I'm just going to say find and watch this movie. It may be hard because it's a French documentary, but watch it. All right, I'm back. You know, I had a couple donut holes. I, we We sell these things at work. They are basically Nutella-filled donut holes, but not actually Nutella brand. And uh, I had a couple of those, have a iced tea, and I'm all better. So let's talk about the next film called Best Sellers. This is a limited and VOD release about a cranky and retired author who reluctantly embarks on a final book tour to help out a young publisher. This stars Aubrey Plaza from Ingrid Goes West, Michael Caine from The Cider House Rules, Carrie Elwes from Robin Hood Men in Tights, Scott Speedman from Underworld, and Ellen Wong from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She was Knives Chow. Knives Chow. This is a safe movie. It's really a safe movie because this is the type of movie you can hold on to. You can just keep it in your back pocket and going, hey, if, if I ever need a reliable movie to watch that I'm not super stoked on, but also will be at the very least fun, then you have this. And that's what I think this film is. I already talked about something like that, didn't I? Did I? Was that week or? I can't remember. Anyway, this looks fun. Aubrey Plaza, fun. Michael Caine, uh, he can do comedy very well. He's not known for comedy. If anything, he's known for that scene in The Dark Knight Rises with him crying at the grave of Bruce's parents. But you know what? He can do comedy. And this is just okay I mean, it doesn't look fantastic. It doesn't make me go, yes, I have to see this. I have to see this right now. No, I don't. I can wait and I can watch this one day and go, yes, that was fun. That was enjoyable. Uh, I didn't. I'm glad I didn't go out of my way to see it because it wasn't worth the effort, but I'm glad I eventually saw it. And if you think about it, those movies come out a lot. They're quite a bunch of movies like this, like the next two even that are coming out are like that. And it's good to have one of those movies in your back pocket. And this is a particularly fine one. What keeps us from being a must-watch is the fact that it seems really predictable. We have this cranky old man brought out of retirement by this young publisher, and he's giving her nothing but grief. And guess who's going to warm his heart? Aww, he's going to learn a lesson of sorts. And he's going to make good on his promise, and everything's going to work out for the both of them. Yay for that. That is so nice. Okay, true. This movie can surprise us. It could go way, way off the expected rails, but it's probably not going to. And uh, that's exactly why Best Sellers gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called Cop Shop, another limited release On the run from a lethal assassin, a wily con artist devises a scheme to hide out in a small-town police station, but when the hitman turns up at the precinct, an unsuspecting rookie cop finds herself caught in the crosshairs. This stars Gerard Butler from Law-Abiding Citizen, Alexis Lauder from the Watchmen TV series, Toby Huss from Halt and Catch Fire, Frank Grillo from The Grey, and Ryan Onan from Queen of the South. It took me a while to watch the Has Fallen series. Olympus Has Fallen, London Has Fallen, Angel Has Fallen. I've now watched them all, and they were a lot of fun. I did like them quite a bit. But just like I was just saying during bestsellers, nothing about the film while my wife and I were watching it made me go, oh, I wish I hadn't waited. Why couldn't I have watched this as it was coming out so I could have been part of that huge conversation everyone was having? No, it's not that. It's not Avatar The Last Airbender. Which I'm watching for the first time now. And luckily, Avatar fans will always talk about it. But when I was done with Angel Has Fallen, I was like, okay, that was that was fun. And I think that's what Cop Shop is. And I know I'm just saying the same things I said about bestsellers in a different way. But... I saved Olympus Has Fallen for one of those days I just wanted to watch a mindless action flick. Like, I didn't want to have to think. I wanted something flashy and easy. And that's what this is. It also has a comedy aspect to it. Kind of like Shoot'em Up or Smoke and Aces. Movies like that. Which are action movies and mostly serious, but also has a little bit of uh, comedy in it. That's what this is. Because we have this guy who's on, on, on the run... Because he has a hit out on him. He gets thrown in jail because he uh, goes up to a cop and says, hey, you need to help me. Um, I am a criminal, too, but I'm also being being chased. So they put him in a cell. And who also gets arrested? But Gerard Butler, who's a assassin, Gerard Butler. And so he's about to he breaks out of the little cell and is about to kill the guy when this cop stops him. And then all hell breaks loose because this other more dangerous assassin appears who actually, to me, seems a little queer-coded. It seems like he was kind of based off a John Waters-type character. And once again, because I'm a straight man, it's not up to me to say if that's okay or not. Just something to keep an eye on. But they have to escape. Gerard Butler has to get out alive. The cop has to get out of alive. And hopefully the target gets out alive. Maybe, maybe not. And this basic film looks okay. It does. Cop Shop gets a six out of eleven. Alright friends, next up we have a film called Cry Macho. This is getting a nationwide release and a simultaneous release on HBO Max. This is about a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder who takes a job to bring a man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom. On their journey, the horseman finds redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. This stars Clint Eastwood from Million Dollar Baby and Dwight Yoakam from Sling Blade. And no, I I just have no, no interest in this at all. I know it's the next Clint Eastwood movie. Is he going to get another movie? Who knows? He's really old. But I can also just go back and watch his older movies and enjoy those. This one just seems so specifically curtailed for Clint Eastwood's particular set of skills and the fact that he plays a really good, grumpy old man. A grumpy old man who could potentially kick my ass, so we wouldn't see him in a Grumpy Old Men remake, if you remember the Jack Lemmon-Walter Matthau movie, so he won't be in that. But it just doesn't look good. It doesn't. I mean, this is 100% the type of movie that I will sit on and wait until the reviews start coming in, and not reviews from critics, as always, don't listen to critics, listen to real human beings and what other actual people think. So I'm going to wait on that to see if it's worth it, or if it's just like I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be skippable. If it didn't get a nationwide release, I would have put this in the limited section, because I am just not interested in it. Clint Eastwood has been playing the same character for years, for decades. And fortunately, it works for him, because he finds a type of movies where that would work. But unfortunately, it's a little old, just like him. Cry Macho gets a 4 out of 11. My future friends, the next four movies easily, easily could have been the pick of the week on any given week. Uh, I I am excited for all of them. Uh, Three limited movies, one coming to Amazon Prime. So let's talk about the first one that didn't make it, and that's called Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yes, a limited release film about a notorious criminal who must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. This stars Nicolas Cage from Face Off, Sofia Boutella from The Kingsman, The Secret Service, Nick Cassavetes from Face Off as well, and Bill Moseley from The Devil's Rejects. If you remember me talking about this trailer, this is the movie where we have this city called Samurai Town. F***ing Samurai Town. And it looks like if feudal Japan and the old West had a baby and that baby was a setting for a movie because we have a bunch of geishas and samurai looking motherfuckers and a bunch of cowboys and old West looking motherfuckers all together in this city. And we have this guy pull up in this big fancy car and this other guy gets pulled out of a prison And it's Nicolas Cage. And this guy has an offer going, hey, find my uh, granddaughter or niece. Was it granddaughter or niece? One of the two. Uh, Bring her back alive. You have five days or you will die. How will you die? Well, I have strapped strapped bombs to your neck and your testicles. Two little bombs by your testicles. And I've given you this wrist bracelet thing that looks like a Pip-Boy from Fallout that counts down the number of days you have. And uh, hey, if she's not back, Uh, I blow your head and your balls off. So right now, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. I've already said it, but I'm just going to reiterate it to hit the point home. Samurai Town, with Samurais and Cowboys living back to back. Bombs on Balls, and Nicolas Cage. That's all you need to know. Do you need to know more? Well, this is from the same people behind Color in Space and Mandy, two other recent Nicolas Cage hits. Nicolas Cage who is in his renaissance right now, doing indie movies that not a lot of people know about, but once I actually see it, they're like, F- that's great. I've heard so many wonderful things about *Willie's Wonderland. I've heard so many wonderful things about color in space. Sorry, color out of space. The movie is called Color Out of Space. Uh, it was from 2019, based on a H.P. Uh, Lovecraft book. Nicolas Cage has found his new niche, and it f***ing works. This sh** works. This seems like it comes out of some Alan Moore or Frank Miller or even Neil Gaiman fever dream. Just look at the set and look at the look at the trailer. It just looks ridiculous. No, no, it looks redonkulous. I'm going to bring that word back. I- I'm going to see this. There's no question. There's no question about it. I am going to see it and as soon as I can. But unfortunately, I'm not going to pay for a limited streaming thing. I'm either going to wait for it to come out on a streaming service I already have, or I'm just going to straight up buy it. Prisoners of the Ghostland looks straight up bonkers. And it gets an 8 out of 11. All right, friends, next up we have a movie called The Duke, another limited release. In 1961, Kempton Bunden, a 60-year-old taxi driver, steals Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington from the National Gallery in London. This stars Jim Broadbent from The Iron Lady, Helen Mirren from The Queen, Matthew Goode from Stoker, Cyan Clifford from Fleabag, and Fionn Whitehead from Dunkirk, a quirky British historical comedy. That's it. That, that sums this whole movie up, and you know if you like that kind of film. But not only is it a comedy, it has a point. Uh, Jim Broadbent's character commenting that, look, the the British government spends all this money on this other stuff, but how many people could this have fed? We have people that are losing their homes, people who can't feed their families, and where is that money? If you're worried this may end up being a sad movie, no, uh, uh, I've read up on the case just a little bit, and it's not going to be anything sad. So this might be worth a watch if you like this kind of film, and the Duke gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up we have a film called Blue Bayou, another limited release, which means the final pick of the week is the Amazon movie. As a Korean-American man raised in the Louisiana Bayou, works hard to make a life for his family, he must confront the ghosts of his past as he discovers that he could be deported from the only country he has ever called home. This stars Justin Chan from The Twilight Saga, Alicia Vikander from Tomb Raider, and Mark O'Brien from Ready or Not. So a movie that's not based on a particular true story, but is unfortunately something that, ha- that happened over the last four years and is still happening. We have these people who were brought here as little kids, so technically not citizens, and then something happens. Maybe they make a mistake or something from their past comes out, and guess what? They are... Then threatened with deportation. These people who may be technically from another country, but have never has never been there. So this movie deals heavily with racism and with America's problem with immigration. We are a country built by immigrants, but now people want to come here for a better life. And we're like, nah. Oh, what? You're coming from a country where we cause a problem? And who cares? So this looks like a well-acted and important film for right now. So Justin Chan's character might have made some mistakes in the past. Maybe he did some crime or something, but he paid his price. He has a job now. He's a uh, he's a member of society. And now, because in, in the trailer, we see that uh, he's going through the story with his wife and daughter, and just these cops start giving him shit. Just because he's this Asian man with two seemingly white women, one white woman, one white girl, because I'm not quite sure if the girl is his and if she's uh, uh, half Asian and just you can't tell or if he's the stepdad. But either way, it doesn't matter. These cops give him a whole bunch of shit and end up arresting him. Not because he did anything wrong, but but, but because they are assholes. and oh, turns out he has a history. Turns out he's not a true citizen. And that's bullshit. I've known so many immigrants in my life. Growing up where I grew up with a strong Mexican community, they're as much citizens as any of us. So this movie has a very important message, and it's going to tell this message by making us care about these characters and telling their story. I think this is going to be a really good film, but not something you should watch if you want to, uh, if you want to be happy, maybe don't watch this. Blue Bayou gets an eight out of eleven. All right, my future friends, it's time for the pick of the week, and that movie is called Everybody's Talking About Jamie. This is a prime original movie based on a stage play of the same name. This is a feature film adaptation of a musical about a teenager from Sheffield, England, who wants to be a drag queen. This stars Max Harwood from the stage play, Richard E. Grant from Hudson Hawk, Sharon Horgan from Game Night, Sarah Lancashire from Happy Valley, and Ralph Innocent from The Witch. Three words on why this is the pick of the week. Three words. Big gay musical. That's it. That's all I need to know. You sold me on this. You could have had any of those other two words. Big gay. Gay musical. Big musical. And I'd be down for any of them. All three of them. And it's a surefire win. And what's more is that, at least from the trailer, it looks like it's a story of joy. So, just like... The handsome and talented Dan Levy said, it's important to tell these stories of joy, of gay joy, and not just from the LGBTQ plus community of every community. We need joy. We need black joy, Mexican joy, like Japanese, Chinese joy, Korean joy. Uh, Everyone needs joy. We all need these stories on top of telling these important stories like Blue Bayou, like Little Girl. As much as we need these stories that teach us and that show us the injustices of the world, we need these movies, too, that make us smile, that also give representation. So I'm going to add two more words to Big Gay Musical. Drag queens. That's it right there. My mind is blown. I'm not even going to lie. When I first saw the trailer for this, I knew it was going to be the pick of the week. I knew it because Billiam loves big gay musicals and what a better way to end this episode than with something positive i needed it i, I did that trailer for the documentary little girl broke me F-ing broke me and if it broke me then what the f- is it like for sasha then we have blue bayou a unfortunately shockingly real story about hatred and xenophobia both Important topics. Both of those movies bring us very important topics. But some of us watch movies to escape. Some of us watch movies for enjoyment. Some of us watch movies because we're fing tired of the news. We're tired of just opening up whatever news app or turning on whatever news station you watch and being inundated with all this shit all the time. So, what a better way to end the episode than with a big gay musical. Everybody's talking about Jamie he gets a nine out of 11. So my friends, thank you for listening. I'm sorry if it got a little dark there. Um, be kind to each other. Be nice. Love one another. And you know what? Watch a movie you enjoy. Laugh and have some fun. And I want to let you know there will be no episode next week. We will be back on the week of the first with an episode because I am taking a much needed vacation going glamping with my friends in Colorado. We're all vaccinated. We're going to stay far away from people. We have a cabin in the woods. And you know what? Five guys alone in the cabin in the woods. If I die, that's why. Because some horror movie level shit happened out there. So I will see you in two weeks. And I will send you along your way with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com And please consider supporting the show on Patreon You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle Don't forget to support the friends of the show You've heard their ads tonight Please check out my personal blog BilliamTheNerd.com And then finally, my dear friends My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.